Hi, my name is Bob Lentz, and I want to welcome you to Front Row Church. This morning, we're going to be talking about uh, your words, and you'd better think before you speak. This comes from the book of James, chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can grab that. If not, I'll kind of go through that with you. just want to know that, uh, you know, when you think about your words, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, that your words have the ability to kill or thrill your relationships. It's all about your words. It's, it's what you say and how you say it, when you say it. Those things have the power to either build up or tear down relationships in your life. And in the book of James, the half-brother of Jesus writes and he reminds us that our tongue or our words, they have tremendous power in our life. It says that our words are like a, a tiny rudder that makes a huge ship change course. And so your words have the ability to change your life as well as the lives of those that are around you. We can say, uh, we can point to someone that, uh, you know, in, in our life that our words have really had the ability to change their direction. Maybe it was for the best in their life. Maybe it was for something that even ruined somebody's life. See, our words can either heal or hurt. They can inspire or conspire. They can create or destroy. But the key thing is to remember, your words do what you tell them to do. It's your choice. Now, I don't know if it's a generational thing or not, but I think every kid has somebody in their life who's told them this, you'd better think before you speak. For me, that phrase came from both my mom and my dad, but they came from very different directions. My mom would always say, now, Bobby, you better think before you speak. And here's what she meant. Just don't say everything that comes to your mind. You know, put a little thought behind it before you say what's coming out of your mouth. In other words, that's really good advice because, you know, as a young kid, even as an older guy, you can say some crazy stuff. My dad, on the other hand, he used the same phrase, but he had it in a very different tone. When he used the phrase, he said something like this, son, you'd better think before you speak. Now, what do you think my father was doing? He was telling me, think through the consequences of your words. Because what you say is going to have some sort of consequence with my dad. The Bible in Proverbs says, There is life or death in the power of your tongue. It's pretty amazing. Now, how many times in your life have you said something and then immediately you thought to yourself, Oh, man, I wish I could take that one back. I mean, we've all done it. We've all seen friendships broken, relationships damaged, you know, people that we really like, we just kind of mess up because of our words. Now imagine how much easier your life and your relationships would be if you actually started to think before you spoke. How cool would that be? Well, what I want to do this morning is to help you and me really and truly begin to think through what we do with our words. In fact, I want to use the acrostic for think, T-H-I-N-K, and help you Maybe have something that you can remember when you're using your words. So the T this morning, we're going to use the T as truthful. Just ask ourselves, when we speak, is it truthful? You know, the foundation of every great and abiding relationship is truth. If the truth is stretched or it's tweaked or it's manipulated, then the relationship you're in right now will probably crash and burn. Mark Twain said it right when he said, Always tell the truth. That way you won't have to remember what you said earlier. 
In Ephesians 4, Paul said this to the, to the church in Ephesus. He said, put away all falsehood and start telling your neighbor the truth. It's simple. Now, here's a rather disturbing implication from that. If Paul was telling the church, make sure you're telling the truth, the implication is we have a natural desire to kind of fudge the truth, to kind of color the story, to kind of make ourselves look better than we actually are. But the Bible says if you want great relationships, then you got to tell the truth. You've, you've got to be honest and, and accurate with your words. Now, as you read through the Gospels, you'll notice that Jesus identifies himself with various titles. For instance, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the Alpha and Omega. Several different titles he gives himself. And with each title, we're kind of given a glimpse deeper into the character and the nature of the Son of God. Now, I'm not sure if there's any way we can determine which of these titles is the most important one. <clears throat> but I do believe this. If Jesus had never said, I am the truth, then the other titles might not have meant quite as much as they do now. Jesus not only claimed to be the truth, but he also spoke the truth. He loved people with the truth, even though it may have been hard truth. I mean, you look at his ministry, and you see several examples of how he used the truth. Sometimes it was healing. Sometimes it was tough and hard. Early in his ministry, Jesus was heading uh, home, and he decided to take a shortcut down through the area called Samaria. And he encountered a woman at the well. We know that story as the woman at the well. You remember her? She was the hot chick from downtown. She slept with anybody and everybody. And Jesus meets her at the well, and, and he says to her, I want you to go home and get your husband. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus says, you're right, you don't. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're sleeping with right now isn't your husband. Now, why did Jesus say that? Was he trying to hurt her? Was he mad at her? Was this his way of judging her? Did he, did he want to use the truth in order to, to hurt her? Or was this truth designed to change her, to heal her, to make her different? The truth really can set you free. It's exactly what that truth did in this woman's life. Set her free, changed her. She went home proclaiming who Jesus was. Now, let me show you another time that Jesus spoke the truth, even though it wasn't popular or well-received. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus confronts some religious leaders of his day. You know, those guys were always his enemies. Here's how he describes him in Matthew 23. He says, these guys are hypocrites. They're blind guides. They're fools, whitewashed tombs, snakes, sons of vipers. Ugh. Then he turns to the crowd and he says this. Don't follow their example. They don't practice what they preach. Everything they do is just for show. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus love these guys? Did Jesus die on the cross for these men and for people just like them? Of course he did. The truth is he spoke, he spoke truth that was aimed at their hearts, not to heal them. I mean, not to hurt them, but rather to heal them. Now, if Jesus is the expert and we're supposed to follow his example, then, then how do we do that? Well, we do it by speaking the truth in love. Listen to the Amplified Version of, of Ephesians uh, chapter 4. It says, Let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, 
dealing truly, living truly. Now, here's what Paul means. Great communication always runs on these two rails, love and truth. And whenever one of these rails is overemphasized, communication can be derailed, so to speak. Communication can get out of bounds if you overemphasize one against the other. For instance, you, you can speak truth without love, and you can kill people. I mean, we've all known people who, who, who take the Bible and they twist it, and they speak truth without love, and it's, it's truth that's used as a weapon. Some people use the Bible as a missile, a guided missile aimed at somebody's heart with full expectation that that's going to explode and hurt somebody. Listen to me. That's not thinking clearly about your words. The truth is always designed and meant to heal, never to hurt. The other side of the equation, if you speak love without any truth, well, that's just as bad. You can uh, speak love and it's so syrupy and sentimental that it loses all of its meaning. Let me see if I can illustrate what I'm talking about when, the, when you use these two different rails, truth with love or truth without love. You know, if you're in a crowd and somebody nudges you and offers you a tic-tac, but you politely refuse to take it, and they say, oh, no, no, please, please go ahead and take one. Please take this one. Well, that's truth in love. That same person could nudge you and say, man, your breath is about to peel the pain off of an outhouse. Well, that's truth without love. So from now on, when you start to speak, you need to ask yourself this question. Am I speaking the truth and am I speaking it in love? That's the T. It's truth. The H stands for, is this helpful? You know, when it comes to building up and maintaining healthy relationships, what you say is either going to help or hinder that relationship. It may be just a casual word. It may be a casual phrase, but you've got to really make sure that it's, it's helpful. You've got to choose your words wisely. Ephesians 4, Paul says, says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do you remember the little ditty we all learned when we were kids? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. Wow. Talk about a bold-faced lie. The Bible says it, and your experience proves it. Words really do have the power to hurt, to cause damage. Proverbs 16 says, Scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze and a scorching fire. You know, when I hear that description, one of the things that comes to my mind about words is the, is the word gossip. Gossip's like a fire. Starts in a very small area, but ultimately it becomes uncontrollable and destructive. Sad thing about gossip is in our culture today, we often sit back and just tolerate it. It's just become natural and normal. I mean, for some people, gossip is just an acceptable pastime. We hang out, sip some Mickey D's sweet tea, and we talk about others. But listen to me. When God talks about gossip, He doesn't say it's normal, natural, or even something to be tolerated. In fact, He calls it out. And he says, gossip is sin. In Romans chapter 1, Paul describes man without God. And he says man like, without God is like this. Since we did not see fit to acknowledge God or approve of Him or consider Him worth the knowing, God gave them over to a base and condemned mind to do things that are not proper or decent or loathsome. And then he said, their secret 
backbiters and gossips. Wow. Gossip is never helpful. It's always hurtful. It kills relationships, kills reputations. It'll kill your business. It'll ruin your family. It'll change your life. Make sure what you speak is always helpful. The wisest man who ever lived was King Solomon. He knew the words had the power to be helpful or hurtful. And he wrote in Proverbs these words, The words of the wicked are like murderous ambush, but the words of the godly, it saves lives. Now, here's the exciting thing. When it comes to the words that come out of your mouth, you get to choose. Will they be helpful or hurtful? Will they be careful or careless? But here's what you got to do. you got to think before you speak. Now, the I in think stands for, is it inspirational? Let me put it this way. Do your words build people up? Do they encourage others? Does what you say give people confidence? Do your words motivate and stir up and stimulate people to do greater things than they ever could do without you in their life? New Testament says, don't let any evil or worthless talk come out of your mouth, but instead, <clears throat> make sure your words are a blessing and give grace to those who hear you. I love to hang around people who are encouragers, don't you? You know what that's, you know what's true about an encourager? It's that their words are there to build you up. <coughs> they think about what they're saying. They speak with definite purpose in mind. Now, wouldn't you love to be in a family, in a church, in a community, in a business filled with people who use their words to build you up instead of tearing you down? You know how that's possible? All it takes is for you and me to think before we speak. We've got to use our words to encourage, to inspire, to motivate people that God puts in our pathway. I love being around people who are builders, people who build others up. That's what God's Word says we need to do. The N stands for, is it necessary? Now, let me give you this principle in a nutshell. It's TMI. You know what that means, don't you? Too much information. There are times when it's not necessary or prudent or even wise to say everything that's on your mind. <laughs> Pardon me. <coughs> you don't have to spill your guts every time you open your mouth. To use some discretion, just like Jesus' mother did, is, is the best thing you can do. You may remember when Mary was pregnant and had Jesus. All the people, the shepherds, ran to the village, and they found out that Mary was having her baby, and they found the baby, and they went, took off running, and they were telling everybody that they knew that the baby had been born. But it's strange. The Bible says, what did Mary do? The Bible says she quietly pondered all of these things, and she treasured these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. In other words, she could have told the story to everybody. She could have gone out and given all kinds of information about what was going on. But she kept quiet. She kept her words in her heart because they weren't necessary at this time. You know, it takes real discipline to control your mouth. We all want to be heard. We've all got a story to tell. And we think our story is worth hearing. But sometimes it's better to be quiet than to let your ignorance show. That's why the Bible says even a stubborn fool 
is thought to be wise if he keeps silent. He's considered intelligent if he keeps his lips sealed. Hadn't you ever met somebody? They talk all the time, and the more they talk, the more you go, these people are crazy. That guy's an idiot, whatever. It's because they're not keeping their lips, their mouth sealed. The next time you're tempted to get your words in a conversation, ask yourself, is it really necessary? Is this wise? Or should I keep my mouth shut? And think a little bit smarter about what I should say. And then the K stands for the word kind. You know, the New Testament word for kindness comes from a Greek term that actually means having someone who stands beside you to assist you. It's, it's a picture of a really close friend who's willing to stand by you no matter what the circumstances may appear to be. If you're in trouble, if you've done something, a good, kind friend is that person that stands beside you. Kind words encourage and support and promote those who hear them. Did you know we're commanded to be kind to one another? Isn't it strange that we have to have a command to be kind? <clears throat> it's not a suggestion for believers. It's actually part of the Bible. The Bible says this is a command in Ephesians 4. We command you to be kind to one another. And in fact, in Galatians 5, where we, we talk about the, the fruit of the Spirit, meaning that the, the Spirit of God lives within us. Remember what the fruit looks like? Jo love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The best way I can describe kind words is to say that these words are spoken for the benefit of others. Words that are more concerned for the well-being of other people than for your own self-image. The Bible tells us since God chose you to be holy people whom he loves, then we should clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercies and with kindness. When Paul says we're supposed to clothe ourselves, here's what he means. Speaking kindness is a decision that you must make. It's like putting on clothes. You must decide. It doesn't come naturally. you got to practice it. And the way you do that is thinking before you speak. So here's your assignment for the upcoming week. We've all got five business days to put these things into work. Five days to think before you speak. So Monday is going to be your truthful day, right? The tea day. Tuesday is going to be your helpful day. And so on and so on until you spend five days thinking before you speak. And as you practice these things, the more you practice them, the more they'll become habits. And when habits are done long enough, they become character traits. You want your relationships to be great. You want your friendships to last. You want people to be wanting to be hanging around you. Then you better learn to think before you speak. Let's ask God to give us the strength, the courage, the ability to really think before we speak. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your words. So practical. We want to be able to think before we speak because we want our words to count. We want our words to be kind. We want our words to be truthful, all of those things, God. In fact, we want our words to be words coming from a heart that loves you and loves others. Help us to do that this week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.